This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we recap a weekend to remember for the cross-country program. We tell the tale of a lost shoe for the men and of the first regional champion for the Bates women in 30 years. Plus, the football team finished the season in style, and we preview the squash and swimming seasons. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates men's and women's cross-country teams both finished in second place out of more than 30 teams Saturday at the NCAA East Regional Championships at a rainy and muddy course in Brunswick. Then on Sunday, the teams were officially invited to the NCAA Championships with the men qualifying as a team for the 11th time in program history and the women for the 8th time. Senior Captain Ryan Smith led the men with an 11th place finish. But it was a rather improbable result for our male Bobcat of the Week, considering Smith lost his shoe less than a mile into the race. Well, what a crazy regionals for you, Ryan. I mean, take us through the moment when you realize you're going to be losing your shoe and you would have to run the rest of the race without it. Oh, man. Um, Well, I got, like, flat-tired, you know, as you do when you're walking to class or something, a pretty everyday thing. But in the the world of running, it's a pretty pretty stressful situation when your shoe kind of comes off and... Um, there was a moment I would say where I was thinking about stopping and like fixing it, but I turned around and they were like, I couldn't even like, it was like a hundred people behind me and it was really the thought of stopping was, uh, not really an option. So, um, there, I, it came to a point where it was so loose. I just kind of like kicked it off and, you know, uh, luckily I responded pretty well. I just kind of went with it and didn't really let it phase me, but I'm sure, um, you know, had I had I reacted differently, it would have made things pretty difficult. So you got 11th overall individually. I mean, were you surprised at how well you finished considering you were running with one shoe on? Well, I don't have anything to compare it to as far <laughs> yeah. as running with one shoe. <laughs> right. Though, yeah, so. there's no other con- variable. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty happy with it. I was, I wasn't in 11th the whole time. You know, I was, I was in front of that position for a while, and then I fell back pretty far, and then um, kind of came to life as. The way the course kind of works, like you take one look at the finish line and then you do like a a loop. And I knew that's like three minutes of running left. And I just decided to uh, really make a a charge with, you know, those final three minutes. So what did your teammates kind of say to you afterwards about all this? Afterwards, there weren't a lot of words. There was a lot of just expressions, facial expressions, um, hugs, high fives fist bumps just there was there weren't a lot of words it was a lot of just like like reaction it was all just very raw I think that the reactions I saw were not necessarily just towards me but just towards the team it was just like a lot of gratitude a lot of uh uh achievement and uh pride I know I mean it was a bunch of teams competing but I know Colby's one of your rivals and to finish ahead of them and well everyone else except for one other team right so second place Pretty much was kind of the goal coming in, sort of. Is that fair? Yeah, I think each person had their own idea of what a successful day was. Um, I think that getting second place, regardless of who you ask, was a really good thing to do. I mean, MIT is probably the best team in the country. Mm. Um, so they, we knew that they were going to do their thing. But, you know, up until the four-mile mark, we were winning that race. And there was this aura of just, like, confidence I think we all got being at the front and running together. Um, beating Colby's awesome. They got second at NESCAC's best conference in the country. Um, you know, they, they had our, they, they beat us on that day, but there was no point where I think any of us would say that we like admitted they're better. You know, we, we've, they're a great team and they, they're better than us some days, but we know that we're one of the best teams in the country. So we, we just kind of, I think we, our mindset was good. We were, we went in with none to lose. Well, this team's interesting to me because there's no one person who's leading you every week. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's been Eli, sometimes it's been Ned. I mean, Ned, so like any given person, any given week can lead the team. What is that like, that that dynamic of all these runners being so close together like this? Yeah, it's the any kind of like, they say this in football, it's like any given Sunday. Yeah. For us, we run on Saturdays. So <laughs> any given Saturday, I mean, we've got, we've got a really deep team. We, we've always prided ourselves on how deep our roster is and how many guys can step up and race and that's what's the exciting thing is we're going to go out there and we're going to run together 
from the gun. And that's always our goal is to run side by side. And, you know, in those, in that final hundred meters, you know, one person might go ahead, one person might fall below, but like our, our, our goal is always just pull each other along. And, and, you know, that's, that's what makes a team strong. It's not, a team isn't strong because they always finish the same places. A team is strong because, you know, guys have good days, guys have bad days, but in the end, like, it's all about just putting your best effort out there. And, it's great. It's really it's really exciting, I think, when you don't even know who the number one is. You don't feel like you have a certain place that you should be. It's whatever you make of it on that day. And afterwards, I guess you went back and retrieved the shoe. I mean, did it take a while to find? You knew exactly where it was. I That was like the least of my concerns. No, I, I know. I walked around barefoot for like an hour after that race. <laughs> there was a lot of people to talk to and yeah. a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, – hugs to be had i think someone retrieved the shoe okay. i think okay so i don't know the story with this i've just been told i think that mid-race uh coach feldman got a phone call while we're still in the heat of battle and everything and it's from one of the spectators he was like i have the shoe should i try and give it to him in the race and i believe coach's exact words verbatim were that we're not worried about that right now and hang up the phone <laughs> because he was like i guess he just like saw what was going on and we we're just like we're, we're doing fine like we don't need it so I think that someone got the shoe. I honestly have no idea how it got back to me, but I have it. I have it in my possession, and I'll probably keep it for a long time. For sure. I mean, I think we talked earlier, but you said this was your, the proudest race, the best moment of your career so far. Is that fair? Yeah, but I mean, I think that it's it's important to kind of like recognize like why it meant so much. It wasn't just because like oh like I lost my shoe and I still did really well. That's that's totally missing the point. It's just like um, from a team standpoint, like we've. We flew into the season with so much confidence, uh, and just like every other year, um, you know, we didn't have great days, and we questioned ourselves. But um, we this year we've done a really good job of not really doubting it, doubting anything. We just say, okay, like let's be ready when the next race comes. And and this weekend was just like any any number of things were started to go wrong on race day. You know, Eli Best dining. Uh, wasn't feeling good at all. Coach told me before the race, hey, he might not run. Mm. Uh, Krishna, who worked his way into this top seven all season, he's been improving so much, almost missed the bus and didn't go to the meet entirely. Um, I My shoe came off at the mile. Like Any any number of things, uh, we could have just like used it as an excuse, but we didn't. And 72 points at regionals is a really exciting score, um, beating a lot of really good teams and just doing it running side by side. I mean, the whole race, you know, you look to your right, you look to your left, Bates jerseys, Bates jerseys. It was great. And, I mean, just the improvement that we've all had on the whole team this year. It just, it all meant a lot because it all kind of felt like it came together really well. Great. And then NCAA is coming up this Saturday in the cold of Michigan. You've in some early morning runs for some of the runners. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Nationals coming up here? Ah, uh, so many thoughts. Uh, <laughs> my first my first thought is, is I just checked my phone, uh, uh, high school – classmate of mine that goes there is scraping snow off his car today so there will be snow uh we are mainers so we're not scared of it we're excited for it i think i've never ran in the snow um nationals is crazy last year running at nationals was uh a blur i couldn't really tell you the specifics of the race it was just like a sea of runners and you have no idea what's going on this year i think just going there having that race under my belt having been done it before is it's a huge advantage. We have a lot of guys that have ran it before. I am excited to go in with no expectations. I think that's what we did at regionals. I think that's what works best for us. Um, I think that this is a top five team in school history. I'm excited to let the results show that. And uh, just generally speaking, I mean, oh my gosh, it's my last cross-country race. I've uh, ran this sport for a couple of years now, and it's, it's uh, you know, you go into regionals and you're like, okay, this could be my last race, but you aren't really sure. This one it will be my last cross-country race. So, I don't know, just leaving it all out there, having as much fun as we can. Um, yeah, it's been a long journey, so I'll probably shed some more tears after this one. Tears of joy. For sure. And yeah. you mentioned um, a while back that the theme this year has been one team, one dream. Take me through that motto. Yeah, shout-out to Coach Feldman, one team, one dream. I think he made that. I okay. love I love that saying. Um, this is our first time having the same coach as the men's and women's team. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be really close to the women's team for a long time but this year it's just a, a, I, I mean friends is one thing but teammates is a whole nother bond that you share with someone and uh you know uh we graduated people last year as you always do you get incoming freshmen but the team doubled in size this year because we joined the men and the women mm. so it's been awesome uh living 
vicariously through the women's team and tracking their results. They are so inspirational. They, they run so hard. They enjoy it so much. Uh, you know, we learn a lot from them uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's our fourth year going together, the men's and women's team both going to nationals. Um, I love being able to, you know, experience and document all of this alongside them. Um, and, you know, they've been killing it. I'm so excited to see what they do at nationals and um, just, you know, be there all together. It's a bigger group. I mean, the more the merrier, they always say. So I'm, I'm so proud of everything that they've done. It's been great. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you want to share on regionals we haven't got to talk about yet? Um, I'll give a shout out to, um, Sam Carsonis mm. for missing six months of exercise. That's not even just running, just, he couldn't do anything. He was on crutches in the winter, mm. never seen someone endure so much, um, and then keep a positive mindset. I, he did a way better job than I would have done if I was hurt like that. He had surgery on his knee. Um, and, you know, coming into this season, I, I was, I won't say skeptical because I never doubt him. I know his work ethic and everything, but I just wasn't sure what he'd be able to do, what he was going to be capable of just from a physical, like, time spent, like how much time can he spend. Um, but he worked his he worked his tail off, and, uh, you know, he's been in our top seven every every race this season, uh, not, not even questioning, like, whether or not he deserves that. No one deserves it more than him. Uh, so returning back to him is going to be uh, really emotional. He was the first person I kind of saw after the race, and we had a really good moment. Um, just kind of understanding how much we've been through to get here, and it was all that much sweeter. I want to give a, I just wanted to give a good shout out to him because, um, like I said, I don't think I've ever met someone that worked harder for something. So, shout out to him. Um, great coaching. I think that there's been a lot of changes. This is my third head coach since I got to Bates, um, but I really think that we've got a formula going right now that works really well. Um, I mean, if you can coach a men's and women's team to nationals at the same exact time, you know, that's pretty special. So just really fortunate, I would say, for uh, teammates and coaches alike that uh, have this level of support. It's been – it's really easy to run well when you've got this many people in your corner. So Terrific. Ryan Smith, our male Bobcat of the Week. And don't forget, folks, you can tune in to the NCAA Cross Country Championships this Saturday. The link to watch will be on our website, gobatesbobcats.com. Thanks again for joining us on the Bobcast, Ryan. Oh, thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it. On the women's side – Senior Captain Jill Richardson did something no Bates woman had done in 30 years. She won the regional championship, taking first place out of 245 runners. The East Region Runner of the Year and our female Bobcat of the Week joins the Bobcast to look back on yet another remarkable performance. Well, Jill, I mean, congratulations, first of all, winning the East Regional. I mean, I saw some footage. You were basically by yourself um, for a lot of that race, well ahead of the field, but... Take us through about, you know, throughout the race, when did you start to kind of pull away and think, oh, I can win this thing? Right from the start, like, I just tried having a strong start to really get out there. And I thought for sure that, like, somebody was going to come with me. So kind of for the first mile, I was just, like, waiting for somebody to come up on me. But then I could just kind of sense that I was starting to really break away. And, I mean, so you were leading wire to wire then, basically. Yeah. What's the key to getting off to that start like you did? Because I know in cross-country races, there's a lot of people there at the beginning, obviously. Yeah, I feel like this one was definitely easier just because the the start line was pretty wide and it doesn't funnel funnel in too quickly. So um, I knew that just as long as I could kind of start fast, I'd probably be all right. You told me you embraced the cold weather, the the mud. I guess it was more mud um, mm-hmm. and rain. Uh, what, what, what about the mud and rain do you like running in? <laughs> Um, I don't know. To me, it just always seems like real cross country. Like, you know, you got all the elements going on. Certainly. And then, um, how about your teammates? I mean, obviously, you know, you have NESCAC Rookie of the Year, Elizabeth Holcomb, uh, Frida Kicklider, who's a senior just like yourself, mm-hmm. back now this year. What's it like having their support and what they've been able to do also? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I feel like so many people this year have just made huge improvements and it's really fun to always have the um, freshmen coming in and having them join the team, and I'm just really proud of everything that they've been able to accomplish. And we've discussed this about how, you know, most cross-country runners, obviously, are running in a pack with your teammates, but for you, you were using the bicyclist who sets the pace mm-hmm. as your pacer. So how do you do that? I mean, a bicycle, obviously, a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like for for the first mile, I was just, like, thinking about the people behind me more and, like, oh, 
I hope I don't get caught. But <laughs> um, then I think it was my brother kept like yelling out to me, oh, use the bicycle like ahead of you. Just keep trying to get closer, closer. So that was a pretty good strategy. So your family was there watching everything? Oh, yeah. What's it like having your family at the races and everything? It's so fun. That's why I was really happy that um, regionals were just right at Bowdoin because all my family lives in Maine. So I love it. It brings me back to like the high school days when they would all come and watch me. Yeah, have you run that course a lot then at Brunswick? Um, no, just just freshman year regionals. Okay, so this was only your really your second time mm-hmm. racing there. Okay, gotcha. But you kind of knew what to expect though with it. Yeah, yeah. And except for the, obviously those weather conditions, you probably weren't expecting, but you like right. that. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nationals. What are your thoughts on going to Michigan this Saturday? Um, I'm so excited. The whole team is just really hyped up, and we can't stop talking about it. And obviously, it's awesome that um, both men and women's teams get to go and. There's a lot of seniors going, which is really exciting as well. Yeah, for your team, obviously, I mean, I'm sure there's some returnees to nationals like yourself, but what do you tell maybe people who haven't been there, like Frida and, like, Elizabeth and whatnot? Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like more we just talk about the memories, like, outside of the race that we had, but for the race itself, I feel like it's just trying to kind of think about it as any other race, really, so that you don't get psyched out. Yeah, does the NCAA championships have a different feel to the actual race i imagine it might have a little bit different feel a little bit like i mean the hype is there for sure (laughs) and there's just the sheer amount of people and and the fact that i mean everyone in the race is just incredible athletes and really fast so (laughs) you'll always have someone to run with excellent and then um for you i mean as a senior have you kind of chance to kind of look back at your time at Bates so far you know running you know in cross country and the success you've had have you have you got a chance to reflect on that much um somewhat (laughs) yeah I just, it's been fun to just look back and I always like to see like, oh, at this course, this is what I, um, the time that I got then, or maybe at this meet, this is like how I placed. So it's been cool to see that. But again, mostly I feel like it's just, um, I feel like a lot of us seniors have been reminiscing on memories and all that sort of thing. And obviously this year you have a new head coach and Danny Feldman. You also have a new assistant, Allison Leonard. Tell mm-hmm. us a little about her because she's a Bates alum um, and she ran here, right? Yeah, it's been awesome to have her join on. Um, and it's really cool just because she'll tell us stories of like, oh, back when I was here, this is how this was. Or, you know, this has changed or this is the same. And, yeah, she's just really supportive and we love her. Awesome. What are your thoughts you wanted to share on the season so far and regionals in particular, getting that getting that victory there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just exciting, and I was happy to be able to to win it in Maine, you know, being from here myself. So, yeah, I'm just excited for, for the whole team. Perfect. Jill Richardson, our female Bobcat of the Week, the champion at NCAA East Regionals, going to NCAA Championships in Michigan this Saturday. Thanks again. Thank you. The football team ended the season on a high note Saturday defeating Hamilton on the road by a count of 19-14. Sophomore Colton Bosselet threw three more touchdown passes in the win, tying the program record for TD passes in one season. His 21 total touchdowns accounted for, and his 1,817 passing yards this year are both Bates' single-season records. Head coach Matt Coyne recaps a 3-6 and six season for the Bobcats. I think it was, uh, you know, a gritty game. I think, you know, right away it didn't start the way we wanted to. <laughs> um, ideally, we, we'd like to catch the snap of the punt and be able to execute that. Um, but we didn't, and then they went down and scored. And, you know, again, you know, at this stage of the season, it's easy to sit there and, and hang your head and say, oh, here we go. Like, we might be in for one. Um, but, you know, we stayed resilient and we fought through it. Um, and the offense did a good job complementing that in the first half. Um, so I think it was just a gritty, you know, grinded out win on the road. It's hard to win on the road, especially, you know, um, as I talked about before last week with all those quote unquote built in excuses that you can make about going to Hamilton and, you know, all those things that surround it. So it was, it was pretty proud of the team for how they operated. Colton had one of his best games, completed over 70% of his passes. What did you notice from what he was able to do? I think he just, you know, he rebounded really well. And I think, you know, the big thing with Colton is that he's, he's level headed. You know, we understand. Um, and he gets it too. You know, we had a lot of turnovers this year, um, interceptions wise. I'd say five to six of those are fourth and twenties that we're going for it, and we're throwing it up. So you know, um, give the benefit of the doubt on that. And but he knows that that you know that's one thing that we're going to focus on. And if we can limit those um, a little bit, you know, um, and again, a lot of things go into that. It's not just always the quarterback. So 
Uh, I want to make that clear, but limit those. But he did he did really well. I mean, he set every record in, in the program pretty much. You know, in his first year under center in seven and a half games because mm-hmm. you know he didn't play the first game and a half. So, uh, very proud of him of how he he came back after that pick that sort of slipped out of his hands and floated up there and you know did a really good job to to get that W. I love the play call for Dior's first touchdown. How'd you draw that up? I mean, in terms of I mean, it was, you had two guys going. You faked the two of them going across the line there. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Coach Thompson, Coach Maiden, Coach Watchers, the offensive staff, you know, they did a good job coming up with that. I had no part in that, you know. <laughs> so I was I was happy to see it work. You know, yeah. I've seen it in practice the last couple of weeks, so we were able to actually get it done on the field. And um, essentially it's just a fast motion fake reverse back the other way, and Colton sold it. Yeah. And Hom, you know, sneaked through, and, and sort of Hamilton got lost, and it's exactly, you know, how Coach Thompson drew it up. So, you know, I was fortunate to get that quick strike. What do you guys see on the go route to Hayes? It looked like a coverage breakdown by Hamilton because it just looked like he was just wide open. There wasn't any trickery on that one. No, they <laughs> were in a one high look. They were playing cover three, so oh. so it really shouldn't have been open. Coach Thompson, we talked about it. He was calling the play to complete the hitch. So we were running, you know, double hitches and some spray fades from the slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they were focused on Hom a little bit. And, you know, he they sort of jumped seven. And Colton saw it um, and, and laid it out there, and you know it's probably the easiest touchdown to Jackson's career. You know when you look back on it, but that that was really good for you know Colton to see it. Um, and those are the things of growth that we're going to see in our offense. Where yeah, you know we're calling it, we see cover three, we know we like the hitches, but when they mess up, do you have the poise to see that and capture the six point mistake? And you know I think that was a huge play in the game, and also you know as we move forward, something that we'll stress. You've complimented um, Jaron Sato on his play all year, and he made a game-saving play in this one. As it looked like the Hamilton quarterback was going to go in for the touchdown, but at the last second, stripping him with the ball. I mean, that was a pretty impressive. That's that's awesome. And I, and I talked to him, and honestly, I talked to his parents after, and just told them how proud I was of him because you know he, he's he's put his hard hat on every week. Jaron doesn't say a lot of words out on the field. Um, that's his persona, and I respect that. But he shows up to work. Um, and he cares about his teammates. He cares about his, his productivity on the field. And he's hard on themselves, too, as, as we expect all our guys to be. But that's just an effort play. That's, that's a game-saving play. You know, and that, those are the ones that you look back on and you're just like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, it gives you a little chills thinking about like, how close it was and just, just how, that, how unique football is in those situations. And, you know, we had another one with, with Zoo, with Zakir. You know, you know, late in the game yes. that I'm sure you're going to talk about as well. And, great catch. Um, great catch. And, you know, he's a kid that has put a lot of work in on scout team all year, has put a lot of work in, um, you know, just overall with the team. And for him to be able to go make a play like that, there's not a lot of receivers in the league that make that play. And so for him to have that confidence moving on into the offseason, to now embrace that feeling, you know, that adrenaline rush and go work for it and try to get back to that point, that's what we want our guys that are underclassmen to achieve. I was going to say, yeah, because you're graduating a lot of seniors, but the guys we just talked about, are coming back, and Jones is going to have to step up big next year. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of youth in our program next year. You know, with with a, with a bunch of the recruits coming in as freshmen. You know, with our freshman class, obviously we have a small sophomore class, and then this junior class that's going to be seniors. Um, there's going to be a lot of open competition, um, and our guys know that. And we're going to really, you know, work them through these next six, seven, seven months here through our, our workouts, and you know, with Coach Seltzer and. And really try to build that, build uh, you know our bodies, increase our size. I think that's something we talked about um, with some of the top opponents in our leagues. We just weren't ready to take that on. And, and like I said, you know that's okay. We we sh- we're not there yet, and, and that's fine. Um, but we need to know what it takes to get there, and we need to start putting in that 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 work day in and day out, and and building that resiliency and that mental toughness and that fortitude, and most importantly, the confidence that the weight room provides you when you increase your body, increase your size, and, and you become more confident human being overall. So we're excited about that right now. You know, getting into those those winter workouts. And then Thomas Formas, the game clinching interception. Um, it would have taken a, a pretty impressive, uh, almost miracle for Hamilton to win anyway. But they had a ways to go. But still, uh, what a year he had, right? Yeah, I can't say enough about Tom. I think he's grown up as as a person um, completely. You know, a very mature human being, and you know he's funny on the side. He gets along with everybody, and, and through his career, he's he's had ups and downs with injuries, and obviously making sacrifices to change positions. And he, throughout this whole year, DB hybrid backer. Mm-hmm. That's where we started him at, and you know throughout the year, learned will learned um, other positions and our substitution packages and. And really someone that just, you know, throws his body to the wind and, and plays very aggressive. And he has a knack for the ball. I mean, he's I think he's tied for the league lead in pass breakups, mm-hmm. um, you know, tied for third with interceptions. And, you know, he's got some sacks, blocked a punt, yeah. forced a fumble. He's just been, a you know, a Swiss Army knife. And I think that's, 
that's uh, pretty special to see him have that productivity in his final year and, and really help us, you know, make plays that helped us, you know, get those three wins. Great. And then, so you touched on this, but, you know, the offseason emphasis, you know, when they're working um, with, you know, strength and conditioning and whatnot, because the offseason you can't do organized practices, but they can get after it in the weight room, right? Yeah. And, you know, honestly, they're going to take an onus on themselves to do some of the things on their own. And that's one of the unique things that I think you have to stress with them. Like, yeah, we're not going to be able to be out there orchestrating any type of practices, that doesn't mean you guys can't get together and do that. Right. And, and, you know, it's not that difficult to, to go through and run some plays and do some things like that on your own. I mean, that's not what we're directing them to do, but that's what great teams do. Yeah. They get together and they try to sharpen the tools. Um, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to be very excited to get in that weight room. And we're going to challenge these guys in a way that they haven't been challenged before. Um, and I think that that's something that they need and they want, you know, and that's going to help us become the team we expect to be and be able to, you know, compete at a high level next year with a lot of new people playing. So we have some inexperience, but that's okay. Any other thoughts you want to share about your first year as a head coach? Um, you know, after coming over from being a coordinator for a number of years, now running the program? I, it's been awesome. You know, these kids are, are my family now, and it's been, you know, a unique situation just coming in and inheriting a program and, and, uh, you know, not too many coaches go through that. And I think back and reflecting on it, you know, it's been some, some ups and downs and, you know, you're figuring things out. And obviously I've gotten better myself throughout the year with handling some situations and growing as, as, a, as a staff. You know, I can't say enough about the staff. I think they've worked their tails off and, and they've created relationships and done some great things, you know, for our foundation right now. And, and obviously all the administration and support, you know, yourself as included. You know, all these things are awesome. You know, I know our recruits and our alums love listening to this. Um, it takes a it takes a full unit, you know. Football's a different beast, you know, with, with how much goes into it. Um, and can't can't say thank you to everybody enough. Just appreciate it. And and while three and six, you know, we're happy right now. We won the last game. That's not the goal, right. you know what I'm saying? And we have a ways to go, and that's okay. But we want to get back to work after we get through Thanksgiving. Come back, you know, take a deep breath, um, and, and try to build off this and build something special here. Senior Thomas Formas tallied another sack on Saturday and he secured the game-clinching interception for the Bobcats. The fifth-year senior was slowed by injuries last year, but really shined in 2022, finishing with 51 total tackles and a team-high eight-and-a-half tackles for loss. Well, Thomas, first of all, I mean, this is your first time on the Bobcast. You're a fifth-year senior, so it's a long time coming, but tell me a little bit about growing up and what got you into football, you know, as a kid. Yeah, uh, first of all, I've heard great stories about the Bobcast. Really happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, growing up, uh, my parents are both uh, Polish immigrants, so I'm a first-generation American as well as a first-generation college student. So playing football was interesting. I kind of had to introduce the game to my family. Uh, they didn't really know what was going on for the first couple years, but as uh, I progressed and we started watching football on TV, uh, college football, NFL, uh, they really grew to love it and support it. And they've been to every game uh, besides one in college, and then before that they would be at every game, and it's really awesome to have that support. Terrific. And so when did you actually start playing? So my first year was in third grade. Okay. Um, and we had a mixed team. It was third and second graders. So it was kind of cool. I got to play running back and kind of be a little ahead of the younger kids, kind of get some confidence in the sport and kind of, um, I don't know, get a, get a passion for it, per se. Um, and then, yeah, I played running back until high school. And that's when I made the transition fully into defense. Uh, and your parents, you know, being from Poland, I mean, yeah, they don't really, I don't think they play football in Poland, at least not the American football. So what was, like, teaching your parents about this new sport? Uh, it was definitely, it's it's more difficult than I, I thought it was going to be, mostly because I, as a kid, and I had an older brother, and we'd always watch it together. Uh, but once he went to college, it was kind of on me to kind of nitpick plays here and there and just kind of walk them through what was going on and kind of, uh, especially like you know, big sudden change moments in the game where other people would kind of stand up in the crowd and cheer or boo, and they didn't really understand that. Um, so it was kind of just like rewatching film and you know Sundays watching TV and answering any questions they had. Uh, but I loved doing it. I, I felt like um, that really made us got us closer together. Terrific. And so in high school, when did you start thinking, okay, I want to play at the college level? Yeah. So it was after I would say my junior year. Uh, we lost in the state championship. And um, we, we had a, a strong senior class that had a lot of college coaches coming to visit them and mostly recruit them. And a couple of NESCAC schools were there for those kids. Um, and I really wanted to go to the best school possible. So I remember uh, after that season looking up like top 25 Division three schools in the country and just emailing all those coaches. 
Uh, and Bates was one of those uh, one of those teams that responded. Um, you know, they, they, they the coaching staff at that time were very supportive. Uh, knew my program, knew where I was from, Richfield, Connecticut. Knew my coaches, uh, so they made great strides into uh, really, really talking to me and making sure that they showed a lot of um, interest. Uh, and it felt good to you know uh, get that at that time, um, especially going into my senior year where we had big plans. Excellent. So senior year comes along. Um, how'd it go? In terms, of, you said you were, came close to your junior year winning state. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Our, our senior year, we actually lost to the number one, two, and four teams in the state. Okay. And at that point, there was only eight teams that made the playoffs. Gotcha. So it was kind of tricky. Uh, we were, I think, we were like nine out mm-hmm. of you know twenty nine schools in our class. So it was a little frustrating. And you know, ending on that note with my high school friends was was definitely tough. But I knew that I had college to look forward to. So I was really excited for that. So you come to Bates. What was the biggest transition looking back from high school football to NESCAC football? Uh, I would definitely say uh, the speed of the game. I, I think in high school, uh, especially like the boxes, the O-lines in the NESCAC and D-lines in the NESCAC are just bigger. Uh, the kids, you know, obviously are stronger, faster. Uh, just understand the game more uh, in terms of just different like bluffs that offenses will show you. In high school, it's like you kind of read one guy and you kind of know what's going on, uh, especially in the secondary um, but, you know, playing the two games or three games that I did as a freshman, it felt like I was, you know, it, it felt like bullets were flying by me <laughs> and I would just get, you know, clocked on kick return or kickoff. And it was a big wake up call. But, you know, every year I felt things slowing down. Yeah. And um, you started out here as a safety. Is that right? Yeah. And you've kind of moved into more of a linebacker role. Is that fair? Tell us about your kind of evolution as a defensive player throughout your time here as a Bobcat. Yeah, so, I mean, I was recruited to be uh, – we ran a 3-3 stack before I came here, so I was trying to be a free safety, uh, kind of just manning. You know, we were going to play a cover three concept and just being that deep third player. Uh, but as I got here and the way I progressed in the weight room and on the field, uh, I kind of grew into my frame. And I, you know, I, I've gained about 30 pounds since my freshman year. Uh, so it kind of made sense to make that transition, especially since I would say uh, the best part of my game was my run fits and my ability to kind of – uh, get down to the line of scrimmage and, you know, be able to set the edge or fill the C-gap. Um, so I think it was just a natural progression. And then once Coach Coyne kind of uh, threw the idea up in the air with uh, the new 4-3 defense and kind of, you know, my role being that outside backer, almost nickel safety type in certain situations, uh, not only was it really attractive to me, but I felt like I could utilize, you know, what I was good at and also kind of work on my man-to-man coverage and just drop me back in the zone and that, you know, that ball hawking ability that I, that I want to be good at. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to uh, prove my, prove the way that prove myself and to my teammates that I'm, you know, I'm able to be versatile and I can help the team in different ways. Well, one thing I've noticed about you, I mean, just watching, you know, highlights throughout the years while editing highlights, I'm also seeing you're a big hitter. Like you, you don't get cheated on some of these hits, right? I mean, you're, you're out there making plays. I mean, how do you start, you know, developing that mentality where you're going to make the the runner or, or ball carrier uh, pay a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely, I would say it starts, you know, on Mondays and Tuesdays of the week of just mm-hmm. watching film and uh, seeing in certain situations, what plays the other team wants to go to or what, what the quarterback likes in certain spots. Um, and then I, I always like my favorite hits, obviously, are when the guy doesn't see it coming because it's kind of easy. Uh, but in terms of just like taking chances, and I, you know, I tell guys all the time, just like trust what you see on the film because in the end, teams want to run what they want to run, and they think that you know they're better than you. Why wouldn't they? You know that's football, um, and they're going to try to impose their will. And if they want to run what they've been running successfully. You know, you gotta you gotta kind of spit back in their face and let them know who's boss. So, <laughs> right. Well, let's go to the Hamilton game this past weekend. First of all, obviously, um, another good game for you. Take us through though the game clinching interception there, because Hamilton was trying to flip the script from what happened to them last season against the Bobcats here with the last second touchdown pass, but didn't work out. You got the interception. Take us through that play. Yeah. So they got the ball back with about a minute zero timeouts, and we knew that we could give up stuff. You know, you know short access routes, try to keep things in bounds. Um, and then when they had the ball at the 40, you know, I thought, okay, they could take a shot here um, with about 15 seconds left, or they can try something down the field to make, you know, maybe two big plays or two snaps at the end of the play. Uh, and actually the route that they ran was two verticals and then an out from three, which I've seen in practice about 100 times. We <laughs> run by uh, number seven, Muhammad yeah. Diawara. Actually, we run the same thing every day in walkthrough. And every day in walkthrough on Fridays, I cut over – we don't throw the ball, but I cut the route. 
and I always joke with him, like, oh, I would have picked that. I would have picked that. And I saw it happen. And I was like, oh, this is my chance to kind of go full circle on this. And um, I was able to jump up, get my feet in bounds. And, um, yeah, I, I was happy that was the last play of my career. I was going to say that. The last play to conclude your career is an interception. It yeah. doesn't get much better than that, right? <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, no. Uh, definitely makes me think that I, I you know, still have some in me. But uh, I'm happy I'm happy that that's my last memory. And um, I'll always remember just celebrating on the sidelines with, you know, all my teammates and all my coaches and uh, knowing that we were able to go out on top. And I was wondering, you know, you're one of the seniors who came back for that fifth year, the extra year of eligibility. Take us through that decision-making process from your perspective. Because I remember talking to Sean Bryan. He was trying to recruit a whole team, and he almost did, basically. A lot of guys came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I want to thank Sean for that, Christian, the entire class, mm. uh, as well as, you know, Colin. Uh, for kind of that last Hamilton game. I wasn't playing the entire season because I got hurt against Wesleyan last year, so uh-huh. I think it was an easier decision for me in terms of I knew that I wanted to have my true senior season on the field. Um, but it was cool because I took that spring semester off last year, so I was really that last-minute decision along with a couple guys. Um, I know Owen Straley, Jackson Hayes, Jose, Kalea, Jack Ryan, they went through the same thing. Um, and our decision was just based on uh, trust in the guys that we had back and trust in the coaching staff. You know, once we met Coach Coyne, I thought the decision was pretty clear. Uh, NESCAC guy bringing in guys that understand the league, uh, have been in winning situations before, and we knew that whether it was a new scheme, new personnel, that, um, you know, we were up for the challenge. And I think, you know, growing to be a year older and a year stronger helps, uh, and then especially for me, just wanting to have that comeback tour was important. Certainly. And then, uh, so what's next for you? I mean, obviously you, you got to graduate here this fall, but uh, yeah. what's next on the docket for Thomas Formers? <laughs> uh, definitely going to go back home, relax, yeah. kind of nurse nurse a couple of my injuries, yeah. um, enjoy Thanksgiving, spend some time with family. Uh, and then, you know, I'm looking to either work in New York City or Boston right now mm-hmm. in terms of commercial real estate. I had a really good time uh, over the summer in New York. Uh, so hoping to return to that. Okay, well, it sounds like you could also be a, maybe a coach on the side, maybe on a high school level or something. I don't know, because it seems yeah. like you enjoy breaking down film and stuff like that. Right? I do, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, maybe one day I've always one had day. this plan yeah. of, you know, working for 20 years and, yeah. then, and then doing coaching. Um, okay, yeah. But who knows? That might come earlier. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on the season or maybe just your time as a Bobcat in general we haven't got to talk about? Yeah, you yeah, know, um, I just want to, you know, stress how, you know, proud I am of not only my class, but the classes before us. You know, I, I tell guys on our team – especially like the fifth years that we went through an 0-9 season, a season with six seniors our sophomore year, and then last year with, you know, pretty much a, what was it, like a 65-man roster. You know, at any time, we could have laid down, quit, and kind of let this program fight for the, for themselves. And, um, you know, kudos to us and kudos to those guys for just keeping with it, um, just how much, how these players led the underclassmen in terms of off-season training and and just being consistent in the way we ran and the way we practiced and the way we kept the culture. Um, I think it created a brotherhood and a bond that I've never felt before and one that I didn't think was going to be stronger than that that I felt earlier in high school. But I've really created relationships for my entire life, um, guys that I can always fall back on in times of hardship. And I really think that Coach Coyne and his staff, um, what they're building here and you know the type of support they've gotten not only from alumni but for, you know, Current players and just, you know, players that graduate in the last couple of years, things feel like they're changing here. And, um, yeah, I feel like Bates College, especially the student body, they they love us when we win. And, you know, if – The boating game was an incredible atmosphere. And it's like, yeah. you know, if we can come out there and just, you know, do our job, this, this school, you know, will support us. I feel like not every NESCAC has that foundation, that structure where good teams will get support. But I feel like, you know, this school wants a winner. And um, – yeah, I'm hoping that we kind of build that foundation to get us there. All right, Thomas Formas, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Now it's time to preview the squash and swimming seasons on the Bobcast. The squash teams open the season this Saturday and Sunday when the Bobcats visit Ivy League opponent Brown and NESCAC foe Trinity. Head coach Rye Hergeth tells us what to expect from the men's and women's squash teams this fall and winter. The men's team um, looking really good. Um, obviously last year we lost um, a few key players, key leaders, you know, number one on the team and number four on the team. But yeah, excited about the season. A few senior players um, have worked really hard. Um, in the summer and in the off season so excited if they can you know 
be leaders not just off court but actually lead by example on court and the couple of players that are, are brand new both Christopher Kenny and Ashton Montero um, are former top 30 players in the US I think I think both of them at some stage where there was you know U13 or U15 probably reached top 15 in the country even higher than than that um, so they'll be pretty much, you know, around the middle of the lineup. Mm-hmm. So which makes makes us uh, very deep. We have, you know, a couple of seniors that are going to be playing at the the end of the lineup. Most of the, the second year players are playing number one and two. So their experience from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, is also going to make a big difference. So yeah, I mean, like before the season began, I looked at the the whole roster and I had no idea who was going to be playing where because everybody's just pretty much at the same level, which makes us very dangerous because we only need to win from the nine matches. We only need five. So if that can come from the top the middle or at the bottom it doesn't matter um so that's why i think you know playing against us this whole season um it's we're gonna make it very hard for every single team because um they're gonna need to show up at every single spot yeah that's on the men's side how about what are the women looking like right now the women's team has been a challenge we lost a bunch of key players last year. One player is abroad this semester. Another player, uh, another key senior player, um, chose to take this semester off. Um, so this semester, um, I have recruited very high-level athletes from the field hockey team and the lacrosse team. But they have very little squash experience, especially at this specific level. Mm. Um, so um, it's been challenging making sure that 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 they're able to compete at this level. But at the same time, I've loved it because they've just like they have so much energy and they absolutely love it. Doesn't matter what we work on. Doesn't matter what the practice is like they just love it and bringing in so much like energy um which has been which has been really exciting so um in terms of expectations this semester is it's all about um experience and trying to see you know what we can do and then next semester when Vicky, who was abroad, and Ella, who's a senior captain, when she comes back next semester, um, we're gonna be be really good. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do. Yeah, you mentioned a player from the field hockey team, a player from women's lacrosse. I think you have a former women's tennis player on the team, also. Yeah. Where do you find them? How do you just say, "Hey, you want to play for the women's squash team"? I mean, how does that happen? You you find them through your your players currently on the team, or how does that kind of work? It, it was a bit of a mixture. Yeah, um, I mentioned it to some of the other head coaches. Mm. So the head lacrosse coach, she likes to play a little bit. Um, oh, okay. Um, so she actually played uh, with Caroline in the spring mm. um, and then when she heard that I was trying to fill up the roster she was like well um, you know she might have a player yeah. um, so that worked out well she's working hard um, yeah like everybody's just getting so much better every single week it's been it's been amazing to actually watch and and be you know be be here and and see how much they're loving it and you know how quickly they've just yeah gotten so much so much better with no college experience with you know basically haven't played any squash um they all have high school squash experience Mm. 
um, but that means that they haven't played squash for a f- few years. Yeah. So um, trying to help them as much as I can possibly help. It's a completely new challenge, but with my experience before becoming the head coach here, um, I loved working with specific players and helping helping players get get better in. Um, so it's kind of like reminded me of where I used to actually work and and how I help players instead of helping a whole roster get better. Yeah, they get welcome to college squash right away because Brown and Trinity. <laughs> that's not an easy start of the year, is it? No, it's no, it's not. It's it's um, it's not going to be easy. But um, yeah, we're not. You know. There's going to be no ex- expectations. Yeah, it's all about the experience. It's all about experiencing what college squash at a really high level is actually like, which is, you know, something that a lot of people don't really know what it is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited to see what they can actually do, but also very excited to see what the experienced players, players one th- through five, um, one th- through six actually, mm-hmm. um, who have been on this team for a number of years, if they can handle playing with the fact that they know that that the players below them, their own t- teammates, don't have as much experience, so they're gonna need to you know show up um, and see if we can manage between one through six just excited to see how far they have come again it's a whole new season every single every single season is completely different we have some experience at number one um andy right yeah Yeah. from mexico she was old as a rookie and since then she's um she's worked extremely hard and she's she's playing some unbelievable squash so very excited to see what kind of season she could have um and then um yeah we have experience um, at number th- three, Erica Parker. It's her senior year, her last season. So I know that she is gonna gonna want to make her last season, you know, as exciting and you know just show what she's really capable of. So you have a rookie at number two. We have a rookie at number two. Okay. Yeah. Um. All the way from India. Okay. And um, also very excited to see what she can do. Um, I think she's gonna, she's, she might get a little bit of a shock um, at f- first, just because of the level that 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 college college squash as a whole, um, the level over the past seven eight years has absolutely exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she does have experience competing. Um, all over the world um, so excited to see her on on match day yeah. um, and to s- see just re- just just how c- good she really is it's very obvious when I see her um, play challenge matches and you know the whole season that she has everything in her to be a phenomenal player but with certain with certain people you see you, you see them during practice and 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 playing challenge matches and then you see a completely separate mm. separate person come out when it's match day right um so i'm excited to see but yeah there's no expectations or anything like that um, I think especially this fall s- semester is all about just, you know, trying to get better and better every single day with no no expectations or anything like that. And then um, especially with the women's team, when we have the whole roster back yeah. next semester, then 
we can really make a lot of noise. Sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to not only the fall, see all these uh, um, new athletes adjust to the sport, but also you know, everyone coming back in January. should be an exciting squash season for both the women and the men. Uh, Ryan Herget, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate you previewing the season with us. Hey, Tom. Thank you, Aaron. The women's and men's swimming and diving teams are both coming off record-breaking seasons last year. What will they do for an encore? Head coach Peter Casares gives us a look at his teams entering their first meet of the year this Saturday when the Bobcats visit Wesleyan. Well, Coach, we recognized our All-Americans from last year at the uh, basketball game the other day at halftime, and a lot of them were swimmers. A great season last year for the women and the men, of course, and a lot of those are returnees here. So how excited are you for to see the, the next development in the likes of, you know, Sophie Cassidy and, and Nathan Barry and, and Grace Wenger and everyone? Oh, I'm terribly excited to see what we can build off of last year. Um, it was a special year. It was hard because every meet we were wondering if that was the last one or what the rules would be and if parents could come and this and that. So there was distraction left and right, but we made it through the season. Um, and you could tell that um, the team did a really great job of working through the COVID season to get in shape for last year. And then we had so many breakthroughs um, and some really um, – high-end performances at the national meet that allowed us to have so many great All-American performances last year. So we're hoping it's a springboard and not just, the, you know, the peak of the mountain. Yeah, I'm really curious about that because the COVID year for a lot of sports set people back, but for swimming it seemed like you guys almost got better. Well, uh, last year's senior class was um, – they were juniors when COVID hit, and I took them aside and said, you know, our, our future really depends on you guys and, and how you attack things. We can't um, know what the seniors are to be going through or what to be expected, um, and you're the biggest and most talented class we've had in Bates history, so let's, let's do something special. And they ran with that mentality, trained really hard, um, worked hard over their summers, um, and the team followed them. And then I just think when you get something taken away from you, you come back with a new appreciation for it. And the sport of swimming is such a grind um, and it's so hard and it can become um, really difficult mentally. And I just think everybody had a break from that, came back, reset, excited, um, and capable of, of really putting the work in every single day, every single practice that led to so many breakthroughs. Um, and like I said, the senior class, I was just updating our top times list and um, so many of them went lifetime best in multiple events their senior year, which is such a hard thing to do at the end of your career, knowing that thesis is coming up and job interviews and grad school and, and what else um, and whatnot. And so they just performed tremendously and they were at their lifetime best um, over and over again. So that was a great leadership group that we had that really helped us get through that and helped us kind of come out. Um, with maybe the best season I've ever seen at Bates College. Yeah, a terrific season. And speaking of that, I mean, tell us about your senior captains this year. Yeah, so we have excellent uh, captains on both sides of the equation. On the women's side, we have Emmy Pike, Dylan McAfee, and Abigail Gibbons. And on the men's side, um, three national-level guys leading the way for the first time. Um, to have that kind of depth there is, is fantastic. And Nate Summer, Nathan Berry, um, and Edge Young. So um, I'm excited to see what happens with the leadership we have. Um, the development that's occurred from all those athletes has been phenomenal over their four years. So this should be an exciting kind of senior senior run for them. The swimming season's broken up. Obviously, you have the fall, you have a few meets in the fall, then you have the big train trip in December, and you come back in January with some more dual meets. But tell us maybe big differences between fall and then once you come back in January, because I know you make a lot of progress for that training trip in December, right? Yeah, I mean, we're re really laying kind of the foundation right now. They worked hard in the preseason, um, coming in during open swims and, and being together, but there's nothing like um, the whole team together with the coaches on deck. So we have a short five and a half weeks with them in the fall um, before they head home for exam week. So we're just trying to see where they're at uh, conditioning-wise, make sure that their aerobic base is where it needs to be so that they can recover quickly and go fast um, on repeats over and over again. Um, and once that's set, it does give them the chance to, to do the speed work that they need. Because um, if your aerobic system's where it needs to be, you can go fast in practice, recover, and go fast again. If it's not where it needs to be, that fast set that you just did beats you up, and the rest of it is pretty sloppy and just holding on for dear life. So the repetitiveness of a great aerobic tank on the speed, speed aspect is, is huge. 
And so we're trying to create that, get to a place where the coaching staff can see that and really feel good about it. And the training trip in December um, and January really puts the icing on the cake there. And then we've got a quick five weeks before the NESCAC championships hit. So we really start to work on pace and a little bit more of the neurological system, just how the, how the brain's firing, what the nervous system's doing now that the physiological system's all set. Um, and that's where the racing magic starts to happen. You have a Bates legend returning as a diving coach this year. Tell us about uh, Andrew Hastings. Yeah, Andrew Hastings back on campus with us. It's phenomenal to have him. He was, uh, I believe, a seven-time All-American, um, just the best male diver in Bates history and at one point the most decorated you know, athlete on, in the program's history. Um, and he's uh, working in Portland as a, as a lawyer for um, a hospital uh, with some time to help out with the program, and he jumped at the chance to get involved again. He coached at Hamilton. He coached at UMBC before he went and got his law degree. Um, so he has collegiate coaching under his belt. Um, he understands what it's like to be a Bates student athlete. Um, and he is just super excited to work with these athletes and help them progress and for us to build our diving program um, back up after a couple years with different coaches. And then, um, you know, Nathan Berry, who's the male athlete of the year, um, he's a guy who before he even was a bobcat, he set a pool record here. So, I mean, what more can you say about what he's meant to the men's team? Because it was basically him and Andrew Hall at NCAA is what it was. Those two guys and got 24th in the country last season. Yeah, I mean, Barry is exceptionally talented, and um, he's consistent, and he's dedicated, and he's a great leader. Um, he does the little things right. He's always thinking. He's always tinkering. Um, and he's just a great role model for the team. There's a lot that he does well that people could continue to model after, um, and there's a lot that he has to learn even. So um, as we approach this senior year, he knows he's doing some things new this year, and we're hoping that that takes him um, to that next level, and he uh, continues to improve and do what he's done um, since we recruited him, you know, set records, um, show up, be consistent, and, and really help us bring a, a team to nationals. Yeah, speaking of that, right, I mean, the relay team, getting a men's team there is probably one of the big goals this year, right? Yep, we, um, we hope um, that our performances put us in that place of top 16 in the country. We missed it by about two hundredths of a second last year. So hopefully the men's team is fired up and, and has a little bit of hunger um, and excitement. I know they really thought they could get there last year, so we had to deal with a little bit of disappointment in not making it. Um, but now it's time to put that aside and say, okay, what are we going to do now? Um, and how do we get there? Uh, we've got an influx of, of really good uh, first years on the team. We have um, sophomores and juniors that have national level capability. So I'm really excited on the men's team in terms of like, there's some star power in every class. And that's a really special place to be. And it's not just one class and another class doing it. It's really all four. So uh, it could be it could be really a really good year for us. And we're going to find out pretty soon. And then on the women's side, what are some goals maybe the team has set? You know, the women's team is um, – we have lost a, a big number of, of women in the class that we graduated last year. And um, – it's going to be a different feel this year. We're going to have to get really scrappy. And, and some of our, um, you know, if you look at the team as term as first tier, second tier, and third tier, and we do that because at conferences there's an A heat, a B heat, and a yep. C heat, or a finalist consolation, pre-consolation. So if you look at all three of those heats and where people are falling, our, our middle group, our middle tier group, really is going to have to do something special if we're going to continue to be the national force that we are, but also, you know, competitive in dual meets and competitive in invites. So without the big numbers this year is, can we swim a lot of events? Can we be tough and gritty? And can we get after it? Um, and I do believe that the talent and the right mentality is there. And if there's anybody or any team that could take on this challenge, this is a group of women that can do it. Well, and you have obviously the top end, I mean, Grace Winger, undeniable. I mean, matching what Sarah DeHair did back in the day, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, she stepped up and was there on all of our relays. She did it individually. Um, she's just super consistent, a tremendous human being, a great teammate, a positive force every day. Um, I feel like she's on a high right now, just really enjoying every single practice. Um, and, uh, you know, couple that with, with with the women that got national level experience last year and Julia Johnson, Stephanie Tropper, um, Sophie Karai, Margie McLeod. Um, Gibbons is a top, 
you know, eight top yeah. 16 finalists. Um, and obviously, Castle is is something extremely special. Um, so, like, we do have some knowledge, some experience, some talent. Um, but a team can't be eight people. It has to be, right. in, in the best case scenario, 24. And I don't even know if we're going to get to 24 this year when it's all said and done. We might only be bringing 23 to conferences. So we're going to look to see what those can do at the top end, but more importantly, what the whole team can do um, from top to bottom. And we got to be a team of the many this year, not just the few. In other Bates Athletics news this week, the men's basketball team lost a heartbreaker in the season opener to Clark by a score of 63-60. to Meanwhile, the women fell to number 11 nationally ranked Tufts in a non-conference game to open the season. Both teams get a chance to bounce back this week as the men host St. Joseph's this Wednesday at 7 p.m. and the women head to the Emanuel College tip-off this weekend. Check out GoBatesBobcats.com for all the latest Bates athletics news. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! <laughs> Bates!